Welcome to the For the Church podcast, another great gospel-centered resource from Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. My name is Jared Wilson. I'm an assistant professor of pastoral ministry and author in residence at Midwestern Seminary. And I'm here as always with my friend, my co-host, academic advisor to the stars, Ross Ferguson, I assume you've got some stars. You've got some academic stars. So I do, I actually do have, I can't share the name because of further reasons, but there is somebody who has the same name as a very, very famous baseball player. Oh, so they're not famous, but their name is. So while everyone on campus is convinced that this is who who this person is, where I talked to this individual and I was kind of like, they're in their 50s. That doesn't seem like like a baseball baseball player. player. And, And the people on campus are like, no, no, he he is in his fifties, and and he's looking at the Hall of Fame, and and I was like, so I'm he's an ex baseball player, ex baseball oh, player okay. who is due to be in the Hall of Fame, wow. and has the same name. Well, see, you're you're thinking impressed, and and yeah. I am not convinced when I talk to him on the okay. phone. You're that gonna have this to tell me a, offline who this name. is. Well, no one, no everyone thinks it's the real person, and I'm like, yeah, but I talk to him on a daily basis, and, yeah. and it's not, it's not that. I'm okay. sure it's not. But I'll, offline, I'll say the name to you. Okay, but uh, I don't I'm, know if he's a star. But, I'm really intrigued. Yeah, I mean, there's a few sports people. You know, it's really interesting. Yeah, there's a few sports folks. I've had some recent follows from some blue checks, you know, which is the verified. I'm like, who are these blue checks? <laughs> they following just me? paid. I get a little nervous when a blue check follows me. I'm kind of like, all right, they just paid eight dollars for it. <laughs> and, well, maybe so. And it's I've noticed there's like there's some athletes, uh-huh. you know, someone yeah. who you know is like the second string, whatever on the team, yeah. you know, on a professional team. Like, oh wow, that person's following me. Yeah. It's kind of impressive. And then like sports radio people or yeah. sports casters. There's a few that follow me. And and I'm always kind of like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I'm impressed, I guess, by the blue checks. Hey, speaking of uh, check marks, verified, authorized. <laughs> <laughs> this is the worst transition in history, but we've got some new reviews that I want to share. We certainly do. So some check marks for us. Uh, some new reviews. These are from Apple Podcasts. This comes from B.A. Palish, who I think we both know. Title, With Wise Counsel and Encouragement, Five Stars. B.A. Palish says, Jared and Ross offer such wisdom, oh man, such wisdom and encouragement in this podcast, along with comic relief and the truths about reality and ministry. Although this podcast is aimed at folks pursuing pastoral ministry, see, it's not. It's that's, not. That's every, every time you say, we need to have a discussion about uh, caring for widows, and, yeah. and I think, well, that sounds that's a pastoral thing. I don't want it to be a pastor podcast, but anyway, that's a whole church thing. I guess we can talk about that. <laughs> Pursuing pastoral ministry, I have found that every episode I've listened to thus far has been applicable to my own ministry, good, in the workplace. Thank you, brothers, for your words that cause me to think through the realities and difficult work that ministry can bring, no matter where you serve. Love it. Love the five stars. We really need to work on giving, you know, not... What, we're is, gonna talk what about, is the podcast? What we're going to talk about pastoral ministry here and there, because that's an aspect, but it's for the church. I want it to be more of a Christian living, Christian, maybe even Christian leader, perhaps, mm. but just more of, you know, for the, you know, mature lay leader, for the mature Christian. I think you might have to write a blog on this of okay. establishing what the podcast is actually for. Or we could just keep doing it and let, yeah. let the audience also, sort the, itself out. Also, there's such wisdom. Are we sure that this individual has heard every podcast we've done? <laughs> we've done? <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe not. This comes from Hope in Alaska. Hope in Alaska, encouraging and easy, five stars. I love this podcast. I don't think we know who this person is. No. I don't know who this person is. I don't know. Um, I love this podcast. Each episode leaves a mark on my heart. 
It is simple and easy to listen to and full of truth and spoken with great voices. Oh, there you go. I live in Alaska and often feel isolated from deep-thinking spiritual brothers. Mm. This podcast encourages me in those areas. Well done, Jared. (laughs) Hang on. (laughs) Where's the other name? Thank you, Hope in Alaska. (laughs) Well done, Jared. I appreciate that. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure they're grateful for you too. No. They just well, didn't say. They it. didn't say it. No. Uh, this one did though. Doctor Ed Romine. I wonder who that is. Uh-huh. We've actually had uh, Doctor Ed Romine as a guest on the podcast. A mutual friend of ours, a good brother, former member of Liberty Baptist Church, who's now serving in Utah, Latter Day Saints Mission Field. Uh, the Texan and the Scotsman. <laughs> Five stars. He says, this is a wonderful podcast that covers a variety of subjects pertinent to one's local church and ministry. Both men have excellent accents. There you go. Now it's coming out. That's right. The double shot. Accent love for both of us. Just be glad, he says, neither one of them sound like me. (laughs) And I I think you've got a a very endearing voice, and I I was glad to have you on the podcast recently. Thanks very much. This is great. Those are some, uh, you know, three new reviews. Um, I'm always sort of uh, begging for people to give us some good reviews. You could hear yours read on the podcast. Even if even if it's a negative review, if it's interesting, I would probably read it on the podcast. We would make fun of I it. I was about to say we would yeah. mock it. But. Yeah, that's right. So even if you want to leave a negative one, you, you could do that too. And I'm just appealing to your pride that you'd want to hear your name, or at least your username, read on the podcast. So leave us a good review. All right. Hey, we're talking about navigating family difficulties today, heading into... We're you know, smack dab in the middle of the holiday season. We're looking forward to the Christmas holidays. And I just thought, you know, for some folks, this is a time mm-hmm. of eager anticipation. They're super excited. They can't wait to go home or they can't wait to see family. For others, that's the hardest part of this season. And in fact, for some of them, they would have a better Christmas in their own minds if they just stayed home or if they did their own thing or they just with their own, you know, family, immediate family. And it can be fraught with tension to think, oh, I've got to go see my in-laws or I've got to go spend time with my sister or or whatever it is. And I thought, you know, we could speak to that, maybe Mm -hmm. offer some words of encouragement, uh, navigating family difficulties. Uh, I see you've got notes. I don't, I don't, <laughs> as usual, I'm just winging it. And Ross has come in with a, t- you know, thesis <laughs> statement and 20 supporting arguments. So I'm going to let you kick it off and I'll just riff on. Hey, that what review you got. said such wisdom. All I'm going to say is that comes from, from preparation. It comes from preparation or it comes from a lifetime <laughs> in the word of God and in the trenches of ministry. A yeah. very long lifetime. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> Okay. <laughs> um, no, I, I was actually going to say I think I think we have to define what what navigating family difficulty actually is. Like you were mentioning the issue with family members, so that's kind of one way of thinking about it. Is that there's there is an issue within your family. There, you know, there's a fight, there's an argument, there's a personality clash. You know, there's an over obvious thing. There can be passive aggressive where it's unspoken. Yeah. It can be just aggressive where it's spoken. But I think there's also another element that that maybe we'll pull out as well. It, and this is kind of, I guess, my background is being more mournful over kind of family times. Um, I lost my dad fairly young and, and, and therefore family times tend to always be slightly tinged with a kind of more mournful element. Yeah, so, okay. you know, everyone's excited, quote, to go into this season, but some are 
are actually thinking back over the past and, and finding it very hard to bring a kind of level of happiness. So, yeah. so I think, I think there's both, both of these issues, but the first, first kind of starting place, uh, and this is why I pull both those issues out is just being honest with what actually the issue is. And I think being honest with yourself that, that you also play a part in that issue. So whether that's a, a fight with a sister or a passive aggressive personality with your in-laws or, or being mournful over the loss of someone is being honest about one, what the issue is and two, how you play a part in that. We're very quick to say, oh, here we go, in-laws, they're like this. But the reality is by the very nature of you saying there's an issue, you're playing a part in that issue. You're choosing how to view that, that issue. So I think just, at the start, let's just be honest. What is the issue you're facing? Don't make it more than it is. Just what is fundamentally the thing you're going to find different? Yeah, I think attitude on the front end going in is so key to this, like where your mindset is. So we go in on guard, and sometimes the on guardedness is in the wrong place. We're yeah. on guard because we just know they're going to set us off. We just yeah. know they're going to say something stupid. We just know they're going to ruin the whole thing, and yeah. you just go in almost with like this hair trigger, like I'm ready. As soon as they say something, then I know it's on. And, you know, I'm going to, we're in reactive mode in some sense. So yeah. we're sensitive to that. When we should kind of turn that around, acknowledging that that's real, I'm not saying that we should pretend that an issue is a non-issue or, mm. or something like that, but turn the guardedness around to ourselves yeah. to say, I want to be on guard against my own reactions and on guard against my own attitudes. Yeah. Is there some way in which I can walk into this situation and I can, I can know, I can be prepared so I'm not reacting in the moment or I'm not reacting because I'm just hair trigger ready to go yeah. off. I know that, you know, my mother's going to say these certain things at the, at the dinner table and whether she's trying to or not, she's going to be trying to ruin the meal, you know, <laughs> with her, you know, comments about the fact that I'm not married yet or yeah. about how my kids are acting or whatever it is. Or I just know my brother or my sister is going to do something and you can acknowledge that, that that's probably going to happen you know, based on experience. But instead of being reactive to that, overly sensitive to that, be on guard against yourself, mm -hmm. have the, a mindset or an attitude, yes, of readiness, but really on guard for yourself against your own heart, against, against kind of the hair trigger principle, uh, against being tit for tat with, yeah. you know, with folks. It can actually be ironic enough, I think, a real position of power to ready yourself for that yeah, and seek to just be kind of a force field of peace unto yourself. Yeah. It's almost like, I don't know, I, I kind of liken it to when a, when a child is throwing a fit or a tantrum of some kind and you know you need to address it, you know it's not right, and yet in the moment it seems to exacerbate things to engage or to yell or whatever it is. And you just sort of let them cry it out. One of the techniques that I would employ, you know, very often when our kids were very little and with their, you know, temper tantrums or whine about things is just ignore it. Yeah. Because to pay it attention is sort of a payoff for them. Yep. So I just ignore them, uh, especially if you're in private. If you're in public, you can't do this. But in private, just act like it's not happening. Yeah. They wear themselves out. You can address it later when they're in a better state of mind. You almost have to do that with sort of yeah. toddler level maturity grownups and <laughs> family yeah. gatherings yeah. is just, I'm not going to respond to that. I'm going to act like you didn't say it. Yeah. And it, it can be a real position of power, actually. Yeah. You almost have this kind of force field around yeah. you. you know? I think one of the things that it, it, it's like being surprisingly accommodating. Mm -hmm. it's, it's allowing 
those traditions, like my wife and I found this, you know, we've been married nearly 15 years. You're trying to amalgamate two Christmases together, um, both of our traditions, and then navigating my family, her family, my family, her family, We, you know, year in, year about, as they're trying to navigate that too, can often be just really stressful. And so uh, my mother-in-law is a paramedic. My sister-in-law is a doctor. My brother-in-law is a doctor. My brother lives in a different country. You know, there's a lot of navigating. And so we've tried to just be surprisingly accommodating of doing as much as we can to say, we get it, we'll come to you because this is really busy. Or, you know, with my mother-in-law being a paramedic, often she worked Christmas Eve. So she'd be coming back seven, eight, nine in the morning having, you know, unfortunately dealt with some really tough stuff. And it's actually saying, yeah, we, we know that we're going to plan to have lunch at one, go to bed, we'll have it at three. You know, it's, it's being surprisingly yeah. accommodating. And the reality is you think if you have the right attitude, you, you don't realize how much that's going to actually turn into a really nice time. Mm-hmm. But if you have a bad attitude, trying to be accommodating, it's, it's almost you become bitter about it. If your attitude's bad, like, oh, I, I have to give this up. When actually in reality is if you're willing to give that up, it really is a better time for you. Like even if you think selfishly, it it is better because you won't get into those fights. On a kind of non-serious note, my brother and I can't play Monopoly. Uh, (laughs) One Christmas many years ago, the Monopoly board went up in the air and there was a little bit of a fight. Uh, Not not fisty fight, but you know verbal fight okay. um, I can say it because he's not here he cheated uh, <laughs> and was unwilling to accept, right. accept it but but again even in just that that's the silly thing like don't play Monopoly if you know it's going to yeah. make you fight or if you you have to play Monopoly be willing to lose and, and willing to allow your family member to gloat and win because actually for them that's what they really need um, yeah. or maybe they don't need it and they need to be taught a lesson <laughs> do that another time but. yeah well, this I think kind of sets up a topic I, that I want to discuss related to this is what are the appropriate boundaries? Are mm-hmm. we saying that no matter how difficult your family situation is, you should just enter in and become you know receptive to it or susceptible to these things in every situation? I think we're talking about you have to go. We know you want to go, how to be on guard. And, and I want to circle back to that so we can talk about yeah. Christ-likeness and that sort of thing. Yeah. But Aren't there situations in which we might say, you know what, I need to actually draw a boundary around this yeah. relationship or yeah. even around the experience itself? Yeah, no, I, I really do agree with that. I think as a starting place, by nature of thinking there's going to be a family difficulty, maybe it's time to resolve that family difficulty yeah. before going into it. Maybe it's time to say, actually, I can't stand the passive aggressive nature. I, I'm going to have to address this. Don't just go, you know, grin and bear, get through the holidays and then wait for the next year to come around it might be time to actually address that issue. Yeah. But how you address it is really important. You know, oh, here we come, Christmas, you always do this every year. You need to, no, actually maybe saying, hey, last year I found it actually a little bit stressful and I found this is an issue. Would you mind if if we did this? Could could we talk about this before we go into this? Um, and I think it's just being open, uh, one, to try and dealing with the issue. But if the issue can't be dealt with, because let, let's be fair, sometimes they just can't be dealt with. Um, I just thought about easy outs. Um, so if those, um, it, it's like that, um, you're in a situation and, and you say to a friend, Hey, call me in four minutes and say, there's an emergency. It's like, just, <laughs> right. just easy outs. Like if, if, if you struggle with a lot of people or, or the issues, having an easy out of you're really enjoying a book, take a book with you and say, I am so engrossed in this story. 
you know, I'm just going to take some quiet time. It's been a long year. You know, I'm going to take some time reading. Um, we had a dog in the UK, you know, go for a long walk with your dog and, and you know, be willing to take people with you. Um, you know, it, it being willing to do the cooking because actually that <laughs> removes you from the stress of all the conversation. You know, just easy outs that mean that you're giving yourself the space to say, I can't deal with this and that's okay in this moment because I'm I'm going to do something that, that takes me out of this without making it weird, you know, not like storming off. It's sure. just like... You know, I'm glad you guys are talking. Hey, it's been a long year. I could do just a couple hours of, of reading a good book by the fire. Do you know? Yeah. Um, and I think people are actually accommodating to that sort of thing when you say it out loud. If you just take a book, go and sit in the corner and refuse to talk. <laughs> like, so. Or pull the, do, do Scotsmen do the Irish goodbye? What's the Irish, you know, the Irish goodbye? goodbye is basically you, sh- you just leave without Get saying anything to anybody. <laughs> no. You don't, you, you don't say your goodbyes, you just disappear. You just, <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty good at the Irish goodbye, actually. <laughs> No, so th- uh, those are personal boundaries in yeah. some ways, um, or kinds of boundaries. Yeah. You're basically maybe a kind of self care is to say for yeah. me to be my best, and I certainly think about those things too. Because as an introvert, you know, I enjoy being with people. Most people, I guess, but there's some <laughs> people I don't enjoy being with. But in general, the idea of people, yeah. it doesn't mean that I don't want to be with people or engage with people. It just means it's taxing for me. It costs me something. Whereas for extroverts, generally speaking, I know I'm broad brushing here. For extroverts, they tend to get energy from being with people. Mm. It's it's depleting for me. So that means for me to be at my best, actually, to be non-grumpy, to be non-sensitive, to be, I need some time to recharge, to reset my batteries. And if I'm in an extended family situation, like we're going to be here for a week or four, you know, three, four days or whatever, and there's a lot of people, I get overwhelmed by a lot of people in a small space, the volume of that, all that sort of thing. I, I need to get outside. I need to take a nap. And there's times where, because I want to engage well, I have to disengage well yeah. also. So those are kind of personal boundaries. You mentioned kind of the relational boundary of like addressing things. Yeah. In my experience, the situation that you are fearful of or anxious about or irritated by doesn't go away on its own. No. So you can just repeat the cycle every year of like, oh, I got to go see the in-laws or I got to go see my, you know, my niece yeah. or whatever it is. You could just keep going and hoping that it's going to get better, yeah. and it and it's not going to. Maybe that person will have a light bulb moment in some you know aspect of their life, but typically it comes from a loving mm. confrontation, a loving addressing of it, and kind of having to go through the tunnel of chaos, risk the conflict to seek to address it. You know, I can think of a couple of examples in my own family history where I just thought. This is not getting better, yeah. and it's toxifying our our connection. And I don't want that to to be the case. So I know this will cause conflict to address it, but there's already conflict in one sense because it's driving me nuts, and I don't want to be with them yeah, because of this yeah. thing. So I take the risk of addressing it and try to do it as as lovingly as I can. Mm. It doesn't always feel loving to the person, but you bring it up and address it, and the positive side. Maybe things go well, and you think, man, I took the risk, and it didn't blow up in my face. But even if it does, I mean, I can think of one incident, I won't be specific, but from my own family history, where it was really difficult. The conversation was really hard, and it, and it didn't go well in the moment. Mm. They didn't receive it well. But coming out of that, the consideration, once the kind of heat of the moment died down, they really considered what was being said and, yeah. and what, what they were being asked to think about. And it totally changed our relationship for the better on the, yeah. on the back end. So in the moment, it didn't feel great. It didn't go well, so to speak. But, you know, it needed to be done. 
And our relationship improved drastically yeah. on the back end because they thought, you know what, I, I don't want to be like that. I don't want you yeah. to feel like that because of my behavior. And so it went well. But sometimes the boundary is the person says, I don't care what you think. I don't care how you feel. In so many words, yeah. you know, where they basically are not going to change. And there's things you have to think about. Do I want to take my kids into this uh, situation yeah, yeah. that is stressful and anxious? And now every holiday for them is a nightmare because yeah. this family is constantly yelling at each other or there's alcoholism or whatever yeah. it is, whatever the situation is, is it affecting your family? Yeah. You know, is it such, you know, such a thing where there's someone who's a professing believer and they're in sin and you've addressed this as lovingly and gently as you can and they refuse to repent? As difficult as it may be, this doesn't apply to every situation, but there are times, I think, where we just have to say, you know what, our relationship can't be yeah. what both of us want it to be because of this yeah. behavior, and you have to draw a boundary line there. And that's tragic, and that's sad, but it may actually serve as a kind of chastening. Yeah, faking it is is not, quote, making it. That's it's, right. It, you know, faking is just going to make it worse. It's, it's interesting you raise the, the kids element and thinking through the kids. So I'm going to take a slight more left field um, thing here. For, for me, you know, my dad died when I was 13. Christmas uh, for me for many years was very difficult. Uh, dad used to love it. He used to, you know, mm. just love love the day. And I found it very hard to look at the table and, and realize he wasn't there. Yeah. Uh, and so for me, actually, I used to dread Christmas. You know, my my mom did a great job. My my brother was there, but but there was always something missing. Do you know when there's three at the table, not four? When you're being invited to other people's homes for Christmas because they know that that you know dad's not there and 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 they want to help and. By even just helping, you know, it increases the sadness because yeah. you know you're 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 being pitied, and you know nothing wrong in that. But you just that sadness wells up, and and even into my um, first few years of, of marriage, again there was that thought of Christmas just never felt that joyful to me. It, it just always felt like something's missing. But it's interesting when we had our kids uh, talk about drawing boundaries. Um, you know, Miriam and I sat down one day, and I just said, like, I just find Christmas intensely sad. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that because I can't correct the situation, yeah. you know. But one of the things she said is, yeah, but you can correct how you're viewing things. You can decide to live in the past or you can decide to see that your children are before you mm. and you're going to need to figure out a way how to deal with this. And again, she lovingly, gently was kind of admonishing yeah. my sorrow rather than realizing what I've got in front of me. And we actually came up with a kind of a deal to, to work this out. I, I, you can't just click a finger and the sorrow disappears. And so I've just learned to take a moment to just feel that intense sadness. And I still do. It's 20 years now that, yeah. that my dad's not been around. Usually there's a moment on Christmas Eve and usually there's a moment on Christmas Day. Miriam knows those moments. She, she just leaves me to to be, I, I tend to go for a walk or something. And I'm just intensely sad. And, and often I, I cry in those moments. But then I come through the door and then I make a choice. I make a choice to say, I'm not going to be sad. I've been blessed with three children, a wife. I, I have this before me. So for those that are kind of heading into Christmas and, and you're just sad for a reason, you know, it might not be as extreme as, as losing a parent, but it might be just something in your life is causing you sadness. It's okay to have those moments of intense sadness. Yeah. It is not okay for it to overwhelm you and change everything. Take a moment. I don't know how long that moment's going to be, but take a moment, let it, let it be there, let it sit. And then make a choice of going, and now God has this before me. And and I'm gonna take it, you know, by the horns and really enjoy it. And yeah. and so I've I've learned to 
you know, go into, it's not a difficult family situation. It's almost a difficult personal situation that became a family issue because I, I just didn't see it. So again, it's coming back to the honesty of, to be honest, I need that hour of intense sadness to be able to then enjoy everything else. Gotcha. You know, if we expanded this out, we're talking in some respects about the Christmas holiday coming up, but the title of this isn't Navigating Difficult Christmas. It's yeah. Family Difficulties. You could listen to this you know, all throughout the year. If we expanded this concept out, because the family difficulties just are are just there, yeah. I think you know, the heightened reality of it is when we're all getting together for these sort of events or okay. holidays and that sort of thing. But the principles we've been talking about are really applicable year-round just to the Christian life. The idea, first of all, of not denying reality. This isn't about faking it to making it or just putting a smile on and pretending something's not a problem. That tends to make the thing worse. So if you're listening to this in the middle of March or the the middle of August or whatever it is, your fear of conflict that would lead you to disengage usually isn't the best tack. But I think there's something even to what you just said about accepting reality in some sense and and letting yourself feel how human beings feel yeah. when things are difficult. So it's not about putting a smile on because someone's gone or someone's mean or whatever it is. It's about owning the fact or in some sense embracing the mm. fact. I kind of lament yeah. of this is just, you know, this is the reality of living in a fallen world, of doing life with sinners, um, including ourselves. And we need to feel that. But then once we step into the situation or when we begin to think about how our attitude or demeanor affects mm-hmm. those around us, we need to not give in to, yes. you know, sinful responses or, or even just, you know, cynical yeah. responses, which I guess could be a sin of its kind. But, yeah, I don't mean like losing your temper. I just, as you said, just sort mm-hmm. of like the impact on my family, if I'm just always in kind of a self-pity mode. Yes. Is not healthy yeah. either, but it's not about faking it. It's about understanding that the good news is yeah. louder and better than the bad news. Yeah, I mean, I think in Philippians two of considering others before yourself, mm. and and it's it's not you know ignoring because it's not consider others. It's consider others before yourself. Consider others as more worthy than you. It's you're still there. You still need to have those emotions. Yeah. But you're also saying, as I come to this room, I want to consider where they are coming from. And that actually is something just in my situation really helped of thinking about my mother at Christmas time or my mother at, at different family occasions. Like, how much more would she be happy and content if my dad was there with her? You know, it's considering actually in all of my emotions, she must be feeling this. Okay, well, I'm actually going to try and help her in this. So again, it's the you're going to the family gathering and you really don't get home with your in-laws. Well, consider them. They probably don't get on with you. Um, you know, what can you <laughs> right. do to actually love upon them, making it less about you, more more about them? But yeah, for me, I also think of Christ's example. Like he, he had some tricky things to deal with. You know, yeah. he had family members that didn't believe or doubted or questioned his, you know, his deity. Really? This is who you're saying you are? Yeah. And, you know, that must have been difficult to navigate to to love his family with also saying, actually, I'm not mad. Uh, this is who I am. You're to believe in me. And how did he navigate that? He admonished those situations and then continued to do what he was called to do. Yeah. I use this illustration in, uh, I wrote a book a little while ago called Supernatural Power for Everyday People. It's, it's really about the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, sanctifying presence of the Holy Spirit, indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, how we can walk in step with the Spirit. 
And I use the, the illustration of there's a particular fellow that I kind of follow through the book, a, a fictional person that I've made up. I put him in, the, in a dinner scene, a family dinner. He's got to go home for the holidays or go home for a family dinner. And it's difficult because his mom's passive aggressive and, you know, all these sorts of things. And he's got to sit at this table. And I bring up this idea of when you're walking in step with the Spirit, you sit at that table as if Christ is sitting at the table. Yeah. You have this mind among yourselves that was in Christ Jesus, mm. the humility, the sort of emptying out. And I talk about it being, as I said earlier, it's really a very powerful position. Mm-hmm. Even if you're the target of what's being said, even if you're the quote unquote victim of what you know, the, of the passive aggression and whatever the snide comments or whatever it is, it becomes a position of power. You go from kind of a self-pity sort of false humility or a, a, a bad meekness to actually a place of real power if you're thinking, I have Christ and I can respond in a Christ-like way because we really can. If the the Holy Spirit is real, if the gospel is true and the Holy Spirit is real, we can, by by grace, by the Spirit, respond as we are shaped as though Christ would respond. And the the picture that I— you know, sort of have in my head sometimes is, is sort of like from the Matrix. Have you ever seen, ever seen the yeah, Matrix? I've seen yeah, the Matrix. yeah, Neo. Uh, it's just the moment where he suddenly becomes the yeah, one, yeah, and they're like shooting the bullets at him, <laughs> and he yeah. like it's in slow motion, and he just sort of says no and puts his hand down, yeah. and the bullets fall down. That's the image I kind of have in my head is sort of like he's being attacked, but he suddenly has control in the moment. Yeah. And I know that's just a stupid science, you know, fiction movie. But it's almost like, oh, it's, it's actually a real position of power to embrace the, even the humility of Christ mm-hmm. to be able to say, no, I'm not going to respond that way. Yeah. You could sit there actually and feel real power by not engaging on a sinful level, by not going tit for tat, by not being reactive to everything. But you have to walk in with kind of yeah. this mentality of, I want to represent Jesus well. I know that I'm secure in Christ, therefore I, I, I can endure what I need to endure. I can address what I need to address also. Man, it actually can transform you from feeling victimized to, to really, you know, having a sense of confidence. And, and so needed if your family are not Christians. Yeah, okay. Um, because I think if, you're, if they're not Christians, that, that is the antagonistic issue, you know, about I need to share the gospel with them. I, I, and, you know, this is my moment. Um, mm. they, they hate the fact that I'm doing this. It, again, it's just sitting in, actually, you don't necessarily need to do anything other than being Christ-like. And in those moments, be prepared to answer. Not not be prepared to go in for the fight and go for the juggler, but yeah. be prepared to, to answer. Like, why are you not fighting back? Why are you not responding? Well, because actually... The gospel means I don't have to respond yeah. to this situation. Um, I was talking to someone recently who's, who said this is the issue, going into a family home that is unsaved and feeling like I, I have to share the gospel and, and, and I've just got nothing in common with them because, I, you know, they're not Christians. It, I think just as you said, it's, it's being Christ-like in those moments. Let them come to you about that gospel mm. message, that gospel life you're living. Don't go in going, I'm waiting for my moment. This is the moment, bang, here's the whole gospel. And that might work, but I think more often than not, that's what they expect you to do. So it's almost do the unexpected thing. Uh, And Christ was often that. He was often the unexpected individual doing the unexpected thing, seeing the unexpected thing, not seeing things when he should have been seeing things to to what the world said. So, yeah, I, I... 
I can't say it any better. I'm going to go and buy your book and read it. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Sold a book. I should probably end on that note. This is good. You got anything else? I've got, I've got nothing else. Okay, I, I awesome. I think you, you summed it up perfectly. Beautiful. In, All in right. that picture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have this mind among yourselves. That was Christ Jesus. Mm. Dear listener, if you enjoy the podcast, please share us with your friends. Give us a good review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. We may read it on the program. And until next time, may Jesus be big in your church. You've been listening to the For the Church podcast, hosted by Jared Wilson, found online at ftc.co. This resource is brought to you by Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Kansas City, Missouri, where we train leaders for the church. 